You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome back to The Strong Room. What should people look for when they choose someone to build their estate plan? Here is estate and trust planning specialist, Sherry McMillan, to answer that question in conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770. Well, I think a really important credential that our families need to give real serious contemplation to is something called a trust and estate practitioner. And the reason I share that, Peter, is it's somebody that has 10 years tenure, and this is their area of expertise and specialty. And they must keep their credential current as well and stay on top of legislational changes that come down the pipeline. And this is important in modern times because estate planning has become exceptionally complex. So what you do want is you want your professional team to seek advice in all the jurisdictions that may impact you in your estate. And nobody can be a genius in every jurisdiction. There's just far too many. So what's important is that they work as a group and collaboratively to make sure all the issues that you may face in each jurisdiction have been considered or addressed properly in a comprehensive plan. So just give you an example, a common uh, situation that we'll see in our family units is that they may buy a property in Hawaii or Phoenix, and then they may have a child who ends up living in the U.S., So, you know, traditionally people would say, well, I'll just write a will and I'll transfer my estate to my children. Well, we've got a major problem if you just write a will. You're going to have U.S. estate tax. You're going to have estate um, complications of probate. You're also going to have a child that potentially has inheritance tax versus your Canadian child. So it's not straightforward and it's not simple like that, like it once was historically. And that is because we've changed as families. We have moved to an international global uh, positioning as family units. We don't have assets just locally in Alberta and our children remained, you know, down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, our children and how moved, resided in other jurisdictions. Um, it's very common for us, Peter, in our firm to see families come in and one of their children have married a U.S. citizen and now all grandchildren born to them are U.S. citizens. So their children were Canadian but their grandchildren are no longer Canadian. Well, how does that impact your estate? So the credential that's very important, I think, is the trust and estate practitioner so that they will reach and find the right solution for your particular circumstance that you find yourself in as a family. Now, it's not all bad. It's wonderful because a lot of our retirees have the blessing of having family all over the place or assets all over the place to go enjoy. And that was the whole point. So I think at the end of the day, it's just about being protective of those assets and being efficient with them so that we safeguard them properly. And you have uh, associates in the United States. You have an office in Britain. Uh, You have access to uh, expert people in a variety of professions, legal, accounting, uh, tax, and so forth, in any number of countries through this trust and estate planner uh, trademark. Um, which helps you to serve your clients. And and again, in, in big families with multiple jurisdictions involved, uh, that is an asset. It is um, an, an imperative part of estate planning, I think, that we gain knowledge and information from all the various professionals in the various jurisdictions. And, and one of the other things I do share is not every legislation is black and white, Peter. There is unfortunately gray 
um, in legislation, both in law and in tax. And so one of the things that we share with families is sometimes it's nice to have two or three opinions because you may choose to take a particular stance in the jurisdiction you're giving contemplation to. So, um, you know, that's an important facet to estate planning is understanding that not everything is black and white in life. And so you do have to understand your choices and what the pros and cons of particular planning could be. So, for example, historically in Canada, one of the techniques that people would do in estate planning is they just add their children to their asset base and think that was a really great solution. Well, in principle, that sounds easy, but there's some major complications that come along with that. So, you know, the first one is, what if your child died before you? You've given up that asset and it's part of their estate, not yours any longer. There's also a tax complication because the moment you add a child to an asset, you might remove the ability for you both to have a tax-free primary home, for example, if you've added them to your house. Or if you've added them um, to particular investment accounts, now you're going to get a T-slip. And if you're already earning a high income, it causes you a dilemma. And then the saddest one, Peter, I think that's often um, a very common one, unfortunately, in modern society, is half of our children go through a divorce. And so we add our children to our asset base, and then they experience a divorce. Guess what happens to half that asset base? So, you know... On one hand, there is this opportunity. On the other hand, you have to look at, well, how will it actually impact my real-life family and situations that could arise? And so alternatively to that solution in our office, what we utilize instead of that as the mechanism of adding everybody to everything is we use a wonderful tool that we have available to us in Canada called a trust. And it's like a third family member, if you want to call it that. But it does nothing wrong and it's very well behaved because it's just a separate legal entity of the family. And it's actually how for generation after generation, old England had transferred its wealth to the kings and the queens. And they still do it to this day. But the pro of this is it avoids all those kinds of family dynamics and issues of real life. Mm. So uh, the areas to be considered when completing an estate plan, I would call it a personalized template because there are some things that are common to every estate plan, uh, and yet it can be set up in such a way that it takes into account personal wishes, um, personal situations. That's right. And so we actually break estate planning into four main components, Peter, in our office. And the first one may not be obvious when you're thinking of the language estate planning, but the first one that we work on is our life plan. And the reason for that is obviously our legacy plan is only one moment in time, the moment we die and what happens to our assets. But our life plan is so much more important than that because it's about how we protect our asset base through the decades ahead whilst we are in retirement and enjoying life. And, you know, to have a legacy plan is fine, but if I lose my asset base through my life, I don't have a legacy plan anyways. So I always say to the families, it's the opposite. We want to protect mom and dad first because we're naturally protecting the children by protecting mom and dad first. And we're going to be protecting their retirement, protecting it from all kinds of things, taxation, lawsuits, privacy, um, market downturns, all these things that really do impact us. And many of us, because we snowbird, you know, have kinds of issues that we may not have had historically when we're only in Alberta as a retiree. To say nothing of health care and housing and, and end of life care and those kinds of issues that, that should be planned for. That's right. And, you know, there's a uh, moving target in this area. There's a lot of debate, obviously, of end of life planning. And because we are living so long, 
it's a brand new phenomenon, especially in North America. I remember about 10 years ago, Peter, I took the study out of UBC and it was absolutely amazing to me because they were forecasting that there were more people over the age of 65 than under the age of 65 in North America for the first time in mankind's history, not ever, just like in history. So this is like an amazing shift and a completely different point of view of, well, what does that mean? And because we are living so long, we're living, you know, as you know, when we brought out the CPP in Canada, we only lived a couple more years and then we were passed on and only had that benefit for two. But now we're living into the 80s and 90s. So if we have decades ahead in retirement, we have to give a lot of contemplation to how we protect that asset base in those elder years as well, because those are very vulnerable years because we're not actively in business any longer, um, but we have created a lot of affluence. And we can also be a target sometimes, in my experience, of you know elder abuse. This is a real thing that happens in, in the whole of our population. And very sadly, it's at a time when we are vulnerable and don't know how to protect ourselves any longer because we may have diminished mental capacities and so forth. So we need to build in that game plan while we're young and healthy and astute and have the privilege of putting in the right safeguards to make sure that wealth is actually there to give us our care in the elder years when we might need it the most. And in charge. That's the big thing, too. You get to be in charge of where your assets are distributed, how they're distributed, when they're distributed, um, and and there's nothing like being in charge. Well, and it's a really important um, progression in our society, too, because many of us have second and third relationships. It's not like it once was where we were married only to one person for our entire life. And so we have the other complication in modern times of what we call a blended family. So I have many, many couples in elder years who've got married for the second time or are living common law. And now they have two sets of children. And what if one of them becomes sick? Who's in charge, as you say? And is it the new spouse's children or is it your own children? How do you design that? And so these are a lot of uh, dynamic questions to give contemplation to in families. Our thanks to Sherry McMillan for her contribution on the program today. And please visit our website, macmillanestate.com, to register for Macmillan Estate Planning's upcoming Life and Legacy Seminar, Thursday evening, April 28th. This is The Strong Room.